Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. It's so easy for us when we're rushing and we want to do things quicker, we just take a little shortcut. But so often that little shortcut makes things harder and more difficult and take longer. And endodontic access and preparation is, is a great example of this. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Pat Coldwell. He's been teaching in endodontics for a long time. He's really someone who's putting a lot of content out there. I've actually been reading his blog for years, and it's a pleasure to finally get to have a chat with him. He is running the Endospot Skills School, which is an online program aimed to give you these tips to bring your endodontics to the next level after university. And what he's teaching here in this one and the other podcasts we do, I really think exemplifies what you're going to learn from something like that. When you extirpate a tooth, do you always take out all of the restoration? The whole point of root canal therapy or endodontics is to restore the tooth to a functional level. And if we don't remove all of that restoration, we can find things that we didn't expect. Pat leads us down the path of when he left just a little bit of a restoration in his patient's tooth. When I was working in Brisbane, I was referred a patient that came down to see me in Brisbane from Rockhampton. So they had traveled quite a long way to come and see me. And it was a fairly difficult uh, tooth to treat. It was a lower seven, had a deep restoration on the distal. And we were under some time pressure because we were planning to complete the procedure in one visit. And we did the, the whole root canal treatment. I took out most of the restoration, but I just left a little bit of the existing restoration in the distal aspect because it was quite deep. And I thought that's going to be, uh, that's going to help me with isolation. It looked like it was sealing okay. And if I take that bit out, then it's going to be complicated to, to seal or it's going to take more time to seal. And so I treated this tooth and then uh, the lady was coming back six months later to Brisbane and she came in for a review and I wanted to see how things are going and there was a sinus tract present mm. and so I thought uh, that's that's no good I went back in and took the restoration out so I'd only temporized I hadn't I hadn't mm-hmm. placed the okay. core restoration so I'd never actually removed that that little bit of filling and when I took the filling out there was a crack through the distal part of the tooth that was as clear as day and there was a nice deep probing defect there and the tooth was unrestorable and even with the microscope even looking down that that distal (laughs) canal the presence of that small bit of restoration uh, completely changed the outcome of the case uh, from a case that I should have identified as as not requiring any treatment or not being treatable to a case that we went through the whole process of treating it and then it it failed straight away or it was never going to have any chance of succeeding. Um, and that's something I see uh, all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. And when I see cases that have been accessed and there's still existing restorations, uh, it drives me crazy because I know <laughs> the difference that it can make in terms of your ability to assess the case. And you're not going around wasting people's time by treating teeth that, that shouldn't be treated. And that's um, Paul Abbott, the professor over in uh, Western Australia, he did a study in his own practice where he basically assessed teeth that were being treated for endodontics for caries, cracks and marginal leakage. 
and they removed all the restoration and he reassessed the teeth for Kerry's cracks <laughs> and marginal leakage. And in his experience in, in those cases, he was about 50% accurate with the restoration in place. So he was missing 50% of the cracks, 50% of the, the leaking fillings and 50% of the caries. And, and so, you know, even from just that point of view, just the assessment point of view, taking the restoration out is going to improve your ability to assess these teeth right from the start. And that's assessing prognosis, assessing difficulty, um, and just meaning you, you're going to be able to give the patient a better chance of making an informed decision as to whether they want to proceed with the treatment or not. Instead of in the case that I did, where I treated the case, charged the patient, and then had to, well, in that case, we, we um, replaced the, we put all the money that she paid towards an implant and took the tooth out and, and placed an implant <laughs> when we could have just done that in the first place, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the egg's on your face by that point. But um, you're a very Badly. kind person for owning up to that and owning that mm-hmm. situation so um, elegantly. Um, so you said this happens all the time. How often would this come into your practice like that? Oh, look, I, I would say probably 40% of the cases that we see that yeah. have been extirpated don't have all the restoration removed. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. there's a, a little bit of time factor there. So, you know, if, you're, if, if you to, only yeah. have half an hour and you've got to extirpate a molar, then it's going to be a bit more challenging. You want to get in and, and get out sort of thing. So, the, the, you know, obviously circumstances uh, affect your ability to, to, to do that properly because um, you've got to think about how much time it's going to take you to restore that tooth mm, as well. You take mm. all the filling out, you've got to restore <laughs> it. But in any situation where you have sufficient time um, and you're planning to treat the tooth, then, mm-hmm. you know, removing that whole restoration is really important. And it comes down to, you know, before you've got to go right back to the, the start in, in the skills school that we have where we talk about mm-hmm. this. We, we go right back to the start and we think about looking at the end point before we actually start the treatment. So we're, we're visualising that final restoration before we start the treatment and we're looking at, you know, what parts of the tooth, the mesial and distal we need to access. And so that really just allows us to decide how we're going to isolate the tooth. And I think in most cases, some sort of multi-tooth isolation is really important because that's going to allow you to remove the whole restoration and be able to assess the whole tooth, especially when it comes to things like cracks, because a lot of those cracks are mesiodistal. In molars, premolars, you see those mesiodistal cracks. And so, first of all, you're not going to be able to visualise the crack. Mm. But secondly, with that restoration in place, especially a mesiodistal restoration, you're not going to be able to probe properly Mm, and mm. when you have a crack down at the pulp chamber floor um, or through you know the base of an mo restoration or do restoration if there's a a pocket that's over three mil associated with that crack then the whole prognosis of that tooth changes dramatically and Mm. with the restoration in there an mo or do you can't probe those areas properly Um, Mm. and you're going to miss a whole lot of those pockets. So right from the start, you miss that. It even comes down to um, in terms of once you've taken the restoration out and you're performing your access, you've got so much more vision and light there. You can see, especially if you've isolated multiple teeth, you can see the outline of the tooth and that's going to allow you to visualise the outline of the pulp chamber as well. 
and give you more accuracy in terms of your access to the pulp chamber and mean that you can be more conservative as well because you're not going to be drilling away parts of the tooth that you don't need to drill away. And if you have that restoration in there, um, you're going to just not have as much perception of where that pulp chamber should be and so you're going to just be drilling and drilling and looking for something and hoping to find mm, it rather than mm. really being able to look at the tooth from the outside and angle your burrs in the, in the right direction. I think that is a really, really good point, allowing you to get that perception because the, the feeling that's changing your perception mm -hmm. is out of the way. Mm -hmm. um, I think perhaps we've all learnt that the hard way. <laughs> um, <you've laughs> Clear aligners have revolutionised the way we can provide aesthetic and orthodontic results to our patients. Many of us want to get into this field and provide these options for our patients but are not sure where to start. That's where Aorta, Aesthetic, Orthodontic and Restorative Training Academy comes in. Their online course, Aorta Essentials, is made to give you the foundations to take the first step. They also provide a number of live courses around Australia to help build on those foundations. With an unbiased approach, Aorta will show you the pros and cons of all the aligner systems. Get started at aortaaustralia.com.au. Thank you, Aorta, for supporting dental students and graduates, and thank you for supporting the Dental Head Start podcast. Do you see uh, more perforations happen when the filling's been left in situ? Uh, well, yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. I mean, you, you, just, you just can't have the same vision and, and understanding of where your drill is if you have... Mm this big restoration in there and there's no value to the restoration long term you know it doesn't add to the strength of the tooth you're going to replace it one way or another that it has zero value in your process other than you know sometimes allowing some sort of isolation but once you take all that restoration out you find your pulp you you know you should be restoring then if you need to doing that pre-endodontic build up or temporizing or doing whatever you need to to secure the isolation of the pulp chamber but uh, yeah it, do, it just doesn't add anything at all by leaving the restoration in place yeah it's a really good point um actually i'm, I'm to be honest i'm taking a lot from this i'm pretty honest on this podcast i think um <laughs> <laughs> and i love this is why i do it but you you've touched on a few things one is isolation and a little bit about if you're planning to treat the tooth obviously this the onus is on the dentist doing the root canal therapy um and restoring the tooth at the end mm. talk about the workflow that you would recommend um because there's a couple of situations one is a asymptomatic tooth that we've identified periapical radiolucency and we're planning root canal therapy um, and then another is a, you know an emergency case and we don't have a lot of time is there any advice you can give towards workflow um, how would you structure it if a patient came to you with um, painful tooth not a whole lot of time well I, I, I mean I guess endo being all, all we do we get pretty uh, efficient <laughs> you know in, in these things so it's not common we're at a situation where we we don't really have a lot of time um <laughs> well or have sufficient time to do what we need to do but i think the differential for me comes down to how much time i spend in those cases how much time i spend actually preparing the canals because for me you know a typical workflow say you're treating a lower six and there's a seven behind it um and a, and a premolar in front of it. My typical workflow would be to clamp the seven and then isolate forward to the five. So you've got those three teeth through. And a lot of the time that's gonna be a cuff technique. So we, mm. we 
because that's a lot faster. You can put the clamp on the seven and then throw the cuff over the top of that, have your DA um, floss through the mesial of the five and use Oroseal to isolate. So that will, you know, if you dump a, a quarter of a carpule of, of Oroseal in there, that's going to seal everything off. <laughs> and then we will still go through our usual access process and we spend and we teach a long time doing the access, you know, focusing on the access. We should be very, very precise with our access. Um, I don't understand why dentists will spend hours practicing prepping for a veneer or a crown and then endodontic access, which is so important to the mm. long-term outcomes of the tooth, just, you know, tends to be something that said, okay, there's a pulp chamber in there drill down until you <laughs> find it, get it you know <laughs> we should be spending time doing this so mm. the the way we teach it is you know clusal reduction removing all the restorations and then uh, assessing where you are from there outlining the pulp into the pulp and you know taking radiographs if, if necessary and uh, isolating the tooth behind the the one you're treating allows you to take parallel radiographs or bite wing view radiographs and and that helps guide you into mm. the the pulp chamber without taking away more tooth than you need to um, and then the differential for me in those cases comes down to how much time i spend trying to prepare the the canals because if it's a vital case with a pulpitis then you really mm. only need to get some files into the canals really that's that's what you've got to achieve um, if it's a tooth that uh, is non-vital and you have the time planned, for example, say it's asymptomatic, then you want to prepare the canals completely. You should always aim to prepare the canals completely at the first visit. You know, that should always be an aim. But if you're short of time, you really just need to open it up, get that pulp chamber open and get some mm. files into the canal without damaging the canals, you know, without doing any harm. So that for me is where the, the shortage should come. And then having that tooth isolated in that manner means you can put a, just put a toffle mire over the top of it. It doesn't have to be perfect. You can fill it up with Fuji too, light cure it and cut it back so that it's um, out of occlusion and protected for the mm. next, mm. the next stage as well. So I think, you know, giving yourself more vision compared to just having a tooth that has say an MOD restoration and just clamping that tooth, putting rubber dam over it, not, removing the restoration and just going straight through the middle and hoping to hit the pulp um, and being in a rush while you're doing it, <laughs> I think that's a far more complicated job to do than doing it uh, the way I just described. So you're, you're actually making your life much harder and you're compromising the long-term outcome and, and probably slowing yourself down in a lot of cases too because you can't see what you're doing and you're going in there, you can't find the pulp chamber, you can't find the canals, where if you open everything up, have better vision, um, remove all the restorations, do your occlusal reduction, then you can just see where you're going and you're, you're far more likely to get into that pulp chamber and do what you need to do so that you can then just, um, you know, spend five minutes restoring it at the end and you're set yeah. up for the for the next step. You know whether the tooth's restorable, you know whether there's any cracks um, and you're not going to waste your time going through all that stuff at the subsequent visit. And you're not going to pay for an implant at the end. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Implants, 
it's such a broad topic and something we really don't learn that much about at uni. So, for many of us are looking for a course that can teach us and allow us to safely place implants for our patients in our practice. Most courses are intensive theory courses, but they lack a practical component. ARIA Dental Education provides an implant course that has both. It's a five-module master implant program where at the end you do a live placement with specialists observing. ARIA has just released their new course for 2021 in Melbourne and CPD Junkie has a discount code to get 5% off the program. I've had the pleasure of doing this course this year and I can't wait to place my first implant. If you're interested in placing your first implant with ARIA Dental Education, go to cpdjunkie.com.au for 5% off. Look, I think you've raised such crucial points and I think um, a lot of young dentists that are listening are learning a lot from what you're saying, myself included. Um, You you raised a point, you're like, oh, no, we're not often short of time. Well, we're speaking (laughs) to students and graduates right now, so we're always short of time. (laughs) But the workflow um, you explained just then, I think that I'm actually looking forward to implementing that um, pretty much as soon as I can. I hope that these concepts have been helpful. I mean, these are things that we learn over a a long period of time through bitter experience. And (laughs) so much of that comes down just to that workflow, that little bit of workflow that we spoke about um, is really going to improve things. So, you know, before you start a case, have a look, think about what the final outcome is going to be in terms of, you know, your root canal and your restoration, and then isolate the tooth so that you can achieve that or you can start that process at least at that first visit um, and just give yourself so much better vision, so much better access, and things will generally be a lot easier. Thank you so much. I think they're really, really useful tips and points about removing restorations in endodontics. Thanks, Pat Colwell. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.